You're listening to Women Making Waves. Linda, have you been touched by dementia? I certainly have. I think it's touched most people now, dementia, hasn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Sadly, my mother um, had dementia. I can really relate to the story that Cassandra Farron is about to talk about to Bobby Jones. She talks about how she um, she wrote a book about it, actually, called I Lost My Mum. It's quite a moving story. There's no cure for dementia, but it's no. great that Cassandra Farron is talking about it. And that's the key, isn't it, really? Yes, it is. It really is. So let's listen to Women Making Waves contributor Bobby Jones as she talks to author Cassandra Farron. She now gets to live in her world. That's the way that I see it. She no longer could fit into our world. But in the care home, she's allowed to live life again on her terms. I'm talking with Cassandra Farron, and she's an unusual author in that she tends to write from the heart. Now, you might think, doesn't every author write from the heart? Well, they do. And then they don't. It depends on what type of book they're trying to write. I know, Cassandra, that you like to mentor people to write their own books. And sometimes they have a book within them, but they don't know quite how to put it onto paper. Is that what your kind of soul writing is all about? Yes, absolutely. So I love helping people to share their stories because I believe that that helps to give their life meaning. So a lot of people know that they've got a powerful story, but they have these doubts and these fears of who would want to read my book? Am I good enough to be an author? Do I need a degree to write a book? And they have all these fears that they're not worthy of becoming a published author. And I'm living proof that it doesn't matter what your qualifications are, what your job is, that if you have got that passion to share your story, then you can. So how did you get into writing? Well, I was at a crossroads in my life about six years ago, and I had a mentoring session with a coach, and she advised me to write down everything that happened in my life and that everything would become apparent. Now, at this point, I wasn't sure what she was talking about. I had ended my marriage six months prior to this conversation. I was a single parent with two children, to two different fathers. We had had to start our life again. I didn't own my own business at this point. So to be honest, I wondered why writing this down was going to help me. But I did my homework and I realised that when I wrote down my story, I could connect everything that happened in my past and it helped me to make sense of everything. And a very long story short, but three months later, I set up my first business I continued to write my journey and my story. And two years later, I published my first book. And you managed to get it published because just getting a book published is not a simple walk in the park. I chose to independently publish my book. So I didn't need to ask permission from anybody. I believe that everyone has a choice. You can look for a traditional publisher or you can independently publish your book. Personally, I love to write my books on my terms, which is why I like to independently publish. Your latest book is called I've Lost My Mum. And this is obviously part of your later story of your life. Tell me, why did you lose your mum? 
So my mum was diagnosed with dementia in 2014. And initially, this wasn't a massive change to my life or my mum's life. It was quite gradual. But what we realised is that this wasn't just about becoming a bit more forgetful or repeating herself a bit more. It was a massive change to not just my life, but my, my dad's life, my mum's social life. She lost all of her independence. She wasn't able to go out on her own. It was a massive snowball effect that then caused my mum to not know who her family was, who her friends were, and she now lives in, in permanent care. So in that sense, I have lost my mum. 2014, that's really only five years ago. And that journey between 2014 and now must have been a very bumpy road for everybody. So, yeah, I'd say bumpy journey is a very good way to describe it. She knew when she had stopped teaching, so she was a teacher for all of her life. And when she retired from teaching, she knew that something wasn't right. But she kept reassuring herself and to us that she was just more relaxed because she'd always worked very hard as a teacher. She'd always worked very long hours. And she just said, well, my brain's a lot more relaxed now. So, you know, it's just getting old. She was in complete denial that anything was wrong and never admitted to herself or to us that there was a problem, even when she had a formal diagnosis. Even though she'd had the diagnosis, she still didn't believe it. How did you begin to realise that there was something wrong? So my mum would repeat herself a lot. Like, say, within the space of an hour, she might tell you the same story 12 times. And she would repeat the same childhood stories. I call them childhood stories because she'd tell you about um, stories from her childhood. Um, she lived abroad for a while and she'd have these favourite stories that she would feel comfortable repeating. So she would tell you a lot about that. And if you tried to speak to her about something that was in the current moment, it became more and more apparent that my mum couldn't keep up with the conversation. She couldn't join in with the conversation. In social situations, she would become quite withdrawn and quite overwhelmed. We'd have to watch her if she needed to leave a restaurant to use the bathroom, for instance. We'd have to make sure that she got to the bathroom and that when she came out of the bathroom that she could see where the table was. She became very attached to my dad in the sense that she wouldn't want to go anywhere unless my dad was going to be there. It was like my dad became her safety blanket. And this very vibrant, positive, outgoing and independent woman began to fade away into some one that seemed a lot older than her years. It was like living with a child again. How did that make you feel as her daughter? It was very sad to watch because, as I've said, you know, my mum was always such an outgoing woman. This is a woman that went bodyboarding for her 65th birthday. If I took her to soft play with my children, she would be the first one down that astroglide and she would be the first one into the ball pool. We've had so much fun and my mum has always been such a young at heart woman. To see her fading away into someone that we didn't recognise was tragic, really tragic. And that all started with a lot of repetition. Now you've got to the stage where dad really couldn't cope with her anymore because it becomes 
a very big burden to look after someone who cannot let you go. I can imagine that for your dad, that was very difficult. And he would have had to have done some personal hygiene and things for mum. Unless you managed to get help? She didn't get to the point that she needed any physical help before she went into the care home. It was more that she couldn't be left on her own. Was there help out there for Dad and for you? When my mum was diagnosed, we received a letter from the doctors, a leaflet and a prescription with some medication that was going to help, hopefully, just to calm her anxiety and possibly slow down some symptoms, but nobody can give you any guarantee. There is no cure for dementia. And then we had a nurse that would check up on my mum just to measure her blood pressure and to check any side effects from the medication, and that was it. As time went on, when we reached crisis point, when my mum went missing, when my dad was finding it very difficult to cope, we did phone a dementia helpline, and they were very helpful. But due to the demand on the helpline, sometimes... You can't get through immediately. Somebody needs to phone you back. And my dad couldn't speak to the helpline if my mum was in his company, which she always was. I took charge of any phone calls and I did phone the helpline. And they're very helpful, very reassuring. But they're not there at three in the morning when my dad was at crisis point. They're not there when you're crying your eyes out, wondering, you know, how you're going to tell your children that something has happened to their nan. Yes, the helpline has helped, but... We've had to cope a lot on our own. I I can't believe that, well, it happened to you, that the doctor just gave you the diagnosis and a leaflet. I just sort of said, well, there you are, get on with it. Unbelievable. Yeah, I I, I agree. But at the time, you don't know to question these things. That was our normality. And we were aware that there are memory cafes that are open in the area. So they are a a gathering of people that either have dementia or care for someone that have dementia. Once a month, you can go along and have a cup of tea and a chat for a couple of hours. But my mum wouldn't go anywhere new. Even though she didn't have capacity, she's a very clever woman and she knew that something wasn't right deep down and she would say like don't you dare leave me with a babysitter don't you dare get me any carers there's nothing wrong with me I'm perfectly capable of coping on my own so even getting my mum out of the door was a massive step in itself so to get her to a new environment where she might suspect that people thought that there might be something wrong with her it just wasn't an option. No I can see that and also given the way that your mum's dementia was progressing, if um, somebody came into the house to sit with her so that your dad could go out and have an hour or two hours on his own, that wasn't going to be an option. We tried that. So again, when my dad needed some more freedom to just do the things like going out to get a paper or doing the food shopping, going to the dentist, we tried to get what's known as companionship carers. So it's like a professional friend. And even though we had a plan that I would go to the house, introduce the companion as my friend and say that my friend had moved into the area and she just wanted to have a chat with my mum or go for a walk around the park. My mum knew and she would say to my dad afterwards, is that lady writing a report on me? And in the end, it got to the point where they had quite a big um, argument. And my mum said, I do not need a babysitter And she got so angry and distressed that we decided we couldn't carry on. It was too distressing for my mum and too distressing for my dad. And when it actually came to the point that you took her to a care home and left her there, 
How did you feel about that? It was one of the hardest days of my life. Collecting your mum from a house that she's lived in for 30 years. She's been married to my dad for 40 years. You know, knowing that she would not be returning to that house was... There is no words, actually, for, for that feeling. But at the same time, when I left the care home... I expected to be consumed by guilt. I expected to feel this overwhelming sadness. But that is when I actually felt relieved. I knew that my mum was safe then. That was all that mattered. You were actually relieved. I can understand that because it's been such a responsibility all that time. How has she settled in? So it's been a year now and I can hand on heart say that the hardest decision of our lives was the best decision of our lives. The care that my mum has received has been outstanding. She now gets to live in her world. That's the way that I see it. She no longer could fit into our world. But in the care home, she's allowed to live life again on her terms. If she doesn't want to go to sleep at night, she doesn't have to. There's 24-hour care there. She's safe. She's looked after and she's at peace. Yeah, so it was a very good decision, a very difficult decision, but a very good decision. There must be very many families out there who are facing the same kind of thing as you had to face. What would you say to them when their their heart is telling them to do one thing, but their head is telling them to do something else? It's incredibly difficult, but I would say that your loved one that has dementia, you have to put their safety before your emotions. And that's easier said than done. That's the way that I coped with that decision of making sure that no matter what happened, my mum was safe. You wrote a book about this. Did that help? Yes, is the answer that I can tell you now. But I can tell you when I was writing the book, there were times when I thought, why am I doing this? Because it did bring up so many emotions. I write, like as you said at the start, I do write from my heart, which means that I have to go back into that emotion of what I've been through. I had to relive everything. But in hindsight, I know that this book is part of my healing journey to acknowledge what we've been through, acknowledge the emotions that we've been through, but also to see how far we've come as a family and that the outcome was, it was the right one for my mum. What have you learned through all of this? How do you feel about this? Alzheimer is a, a wicked disease. You, you can't see it. You can't grab hold of it. You, you can't, as you said, they can't really give you any treatment for it. I've learned on a bigger scale, a bigger picture, you've got to live in the moment. So as an individual, like take every single day that you've got and just enjoy being in the present moment. And whether that's on your own, living your own life, or whether that's being with someone that's got dementia, be in the moment with them. Yes, it is devastating. Yes, it is heartbreaking. But enjoy those little moments when you might be laughing together or spending some time at your favourite garden centre. You've just got to enjoy those little moments. So there are times when mum does seem to be like the old mum. Yes, something that I found uh, with my mum that really ignites her is music. And when I was driving my mum to the care home, I instinctively played her favourite song, which is Dancing Queen. And there was a reason for this in that I actually was scared that my mum would be asking me questions of where we were going. So I just turned this music up, turned up Dancing Queen, and we just sang 
at the top of our voices, dancing queen, all the way until we arrived into the car park. I've since noticed that if I play that song to her, she knows every single word, she will get up, she will dance with me, and she will smile, she will laugh. It brings back the old mum, so play their favourite song, enjoy those moments of of joy. Thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting. And we would encourage everyone to get hold of that book, particularly those people who are experiencing what you've been through. That was Cassandra Farron talking to our contributor, Bobby Jones.